This is WCN. The Whole Care Network. You talk. We listen. Content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. Views and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent views of the Whole Care Network. Always consult your physician for medical and fitness advice, and always consult your attorney for legal advice. And thank you for listening to the Whole Care Network. As a father, I believe in really living what I'm teaching. So I'll live it and then teach it. have our stories, and by sharing them, we can truly show the power of the human spirit. Welcome to yet another exciting and wonderful episode of Gratitude to Latitude, Stories of Resilience and Hope. My name is Jody O'Donnell Ames, and I welcome you today, and I welcome my guest, Dave Howe. Dave is a transformational leadership coach. He's a global speaker. He is a fitness guru, in my opinion, studied martial arts, and he is walking this amazing walk of faith, spreading his light. Welcome, Dave, to my show. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me, Jody. Good to be here with you. Thank you. So through this platform, I get to bring all of the amazing people and mentors in my life to a podcast forum. Have these discussions that have moved me in my journey, have impacted my life. And so you are one of those gentlemen. We met probably close to six years ago. And do you remember how we met, Dave? Absolutely. How can I forget? We had a mutual (laughs) friend that connected us. John Noto. I just gave him a shout out. Yes, I did. John. Uh-huh. So John said to you, I have somebody that I think you should meet. And then he said the same thing to me. He says, you two just, you're going to connect. I'm like, John, you're good. So whatever you say is good with me. And our first call, it was about two hours on that first call. Two hours, yeah. So yeah, and we've been journeying together since. So it's a beautiful thing. I'm so grateful to John for introducing us first and foremost, and the ways that you have impacted my life from that moment on. I mean, you have volunteered at Camp Hope Loves Company, Camp HLC, as a speaker. You have coached me in my journey, A, developing a nonprofit, and B, now my speaking and coaching career. You have inspired me through your dedication to fitness. We have discussed our faith and our challenges as we have faced this last year. And we continue to just support one another. So thank you so much for for being a friend and for being a part of my life. Oh, my, my privilege. I'm humble. I'm humble. I think part of this, well, not I think, I know one of the big blessings of this life journey is to be connected with kindred spirits, right? People who who wake up to live and not just wake up to exist. and 
I think that's what resonated for me with you. You had a zeal for life and you were open and you were on this path of growth, which is my, my path as well. So we connected and we've gone through a lot since our initial connection. And I've seen you grow. I've seen you grow the nonprofit you've started from where it was. We talked about where it would be. Well, we're in that season now. So to think about six years, we were talking ideas and now we're living in the reality of it. So it's a beautiful thing to partner with you and, and see you in that journey. It's so interesting that you mentioned season because one of the thoughts I had prior to us jumping on this, this call this, this afternoon was season and that people come into different seasons of our lives for reasons. And you absolutely have been a huge support as a John Maxwell coach and a speaker and everything that you do and who you are in my journey. So, so I'm glad you're in this season and, and you're not going anywhere. No, I told <laughs> you we're lifers. We're lifers. We're lifers. We are. <laughs> we are indeed. Yes. Yes. So, you know, one of the things I like to kick off with is I believe that who we are as children is something that we tend to forget when we get into adulthood and and we get busy, right, with work and with everything. And and as a young child, I was from the get-go, someone who cared about making a difference. Even, I mean, from my first memories of being six or seven, wanting to help others, a sensitive soul. So I think that we need to be reminded of who we are when we when we were young and how that has influenced our life. And so I wanted to ask you, any memories of your childhood that resonate with who you are now? Absolutely. I tell people when they ask me about my, my beginnings, I said I was made in heaven, born in England, and developed in the United States. So in that, in and of itself, it gives you a cross-sectional of my journey. My parental lineage is from the Caribbean and South America. And so I was born in London. And in those days, when you wanted to come to America, the protocol was very different. So my mother had to come first obtain a job, promise of work, had to have somebody sign for her and then come back and get me. So that was like a year and a half window from about four, two years actually. But in those four to, to six window, I experienced life on a very large scale in terms of how I was developing emotionally. And what I, I'll give you a story. So one, one I, stay, well, I stay with, I have a very big family on both sides of my family especially in Europe, the Caribbean, uh, and South America. So what I did was I was staying with a relative, two relatives. They were my mother's nieces. I thought they were my aunts because they were older. My mother's one of 10, right? So she's the baby in the bunch. So these were her oldest sister's daughters. So one had four kids upstairs, the other had six kids. So I was the youngest or next to the youngest of the six downstairs, and I was third oldest, but I was a cousin. So I'm in these big houses, top to bottom, and I grew up in the house. In that four to six window, kids would be kids. And growing up, you had boys and girls. Rough, right? Play hard and anything like that. So what happened to me in that window, I almost lost my eye, my left eye, from an accident. And I still wear like a scar on my eyebrow. It was gone because I was hit in the eye with an apple tree branch. I have a I got scars. I got scars to help me remember where I came from. I got a, a dent right here in my eyebrow where my cousin, in aiming darts from my feet, 
it ended up between my eyebrows. I'm running to the house with a dart dangling from my eyes. So I went, I went through a lot there. It was a loving house, but we had a lot of kids, so we were dangerous. You know, we played rough as boys and girls do. Kids are kids, so right? Kids. What happened in that time, though, I have a song that reminds my mother. It's called Diana Ross. It's by the Supreme. Someday we'll be together. And that was the song that reminded me what my mother said when she was getting on this thing that I didn't know called an airplane. Where are you going? To America, USA. What's that? I'm four. What is that? Mm-hmm. Going to get an opportunity to make a better life for us. Okay. So wow. she leaves and she said to me, walking up the ramp, I promise you, we'll be together again. We'll never separate someday. Driving back from the airport, what song do I hear in the car? Someday. You got it. We'll, yeah, sing it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was the song. So for two years, that's what I held on to. Lonely nights, not being able to always express what you're going through because my aunt and uncle had a lot of kids to deal with, both upstairs and downstairs. That song is one of my favorite songs to this day. And actually, I'm going to write my mother's story, and that's going to be the name of the book. Someday we'll wow. be together. So yeah, leaving London, coming to America, culture shock. You know, I had a, Brit- I had a British accent. I was going to ask you. <laughs> I had a Brit- Brit- Courtney, a little Courtney in my, in my voice, right? Okay, wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> I've known you for six years. <laughs> and you have never, never pulled out the accent well, until now. Oh, well, this is special. You know, you got me doing a broadcast. For a you know, you got to save something, right? Yeah. So, yes. So I came to America, coming to America, right? Ironic. Came to America and this new culture, this new assimilation. And so I, I lived in a very diverse, not diverse, but a rough neighborhood. So I had what my mother calls street education as well as formal education. I I learned the best of both worlds and allowed me to navigate. And really, I became, in that two years, I became very internal, very reflective, which is really who I am today. I think a lot. I reflect a lot. And, you know, we'll talk about that when we talk about gratitude. So growing up culturally diverse from a family standpoint, my family's all over the globe, literally, except probably Asia that I know of, but I came from a loving family who instilled core values of love and respect for all things human. Wow. I just learned so much. I'm so grateful for that history. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. So you kind of build up resilience from the get-go, and I know that you walk in gratitude. So you you touched on those two things as well as your scars in that scenario. So let's fast forward, because I know that you are an amazing father of two boys, and these topics are important to you. These topics are important to how you mentor and how you raise your children. So those examples of kind of building grit and resilience as a young boy, trying to, you know, stand your ground with uh, 10 kids in the house. You know, how does that parlay into who you are as a father? That's interesting. As a father, I believe in really living what I'm teaching. So I'll live it and then teach it, if that makes sense. I reverse engineer it. I believe when we were growing up, the neighborhood, you know, parents do as I said, (laughs) Not as I do. So even if what I'm doing doesn't line up, that means that's just my shortcomings. But I want to teach you the right way. So as a father, I believe communication is foundational and understanding. You know, I was even talking to my sons last night today. Is we kind of listen 
especially in our culture, we listen to respond versus listening to understand. And when you listen with an understanding ear and heart, you learn, you get information that you wouldn't have access to had you positioned yourself just to push respond button, waiting for the person to pause and then say what you have to say. So my children, different generation, you know, they give me a lot of insight into what's going on culturally. And then I'm able to give them insight and wisdom of those things that no matter what the culture is, should be what you're living in terms of a standard for your life. I believe in living in a standard of excellence. I don't believe in average living. I believe that's a waste of God's H2O on this planet, right? We're here for a purpose. And every day, our activities should be driving us or positioning us to journey in that particular purpose, right? So walk in that purpose. Work in, walk in purpose. Because one thing about gratitude, I teach them about gratitude. I believe gratitude is the currency in the flow of life. It's the currency. Can you say that again for us? Gratitude is the currency and flow of life. I was speaking with a client this morning and I was reminding them that you get to push reset every morning. And they asked me, you know, well, how do I start my days? I said, first and foremost, my, my shifting is based on gratitude because gratitude shifts my emotion. It doesn't allow stress to come in. It, may, it leaves no room for complaining because you can't smile and frown at the same time any more than you can complain and give thanks at the same time. Mm-hmm. You can't do both. Love that. You're either doing one or the other, right? Right. So, yeah, stress, gratitude, appreciation for what you have, even though you're moving towards what you choose to obtain. But be grateful for where you are right now. Love it. I love it. Sit in that, in that gratitude. So I need to, I mean, I could talk to you for hours, but I want to get back to gratitude and resilience, but I need to just ask you a question about your children that I have that I'm always curious about. When we are coaches and mentors and speakers, I mean, I know with my own kids, they give me rules and regulations. I mean, they bought me a pair of overalls for Mother's Day a few years ago, which came with the 10, 10 commandments of how I was allowed to wear them, right? <laughs> I'm not allowed to wear them public speaking. I'm not allowed to dance and wear them, you know, and they're in their late 20s. I have a, almost a 30-year-old and they're still telling me how I'm allowed to present myself. Do your boys ever give you a hard time? I'm just curious. The hard time in terms of what, just overall being an adult, being someone from a different generation? <laughs> you know, just being in, in a way an influencer, right? Well, it's interesting. And I said this to some students yesterday that, at the end of the day, your family sees you as family, your dad, right? No matter what you may be to the world, that's great. It's great to have a father that's an influence, that's doing positive things in the community, that's impact, impacting the lives of those he's partnering in this journey called life. That's a great thing. But when I'm home, I'm dad. I'm dad. They hear me work because I work from home. So they can hear me on calls. They can hear me on training sometimes, depending if they're home or not. They know what I do firsthand, right? They've been to events with me because that's part of me showing them what the entrepreneur lane looks like, right? That you don't have to work for someone if you choose not to. So living that, living out the things that I'm teaching them. But yeah, they give me, they give me a hard time about things musically and otherwise because I don't like the language. Like I just don't allow certain language around me. Not that I'm a stiff board, but I realize that I'm responsible for what comes in front of my eyes and what goes into my ear, which is going to affect my thought life. So everything I eat through those portals is affecting my mind. And my, 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 
craft, my gifting, my lane involves me pouring into the cup of others. So I got to make sure my cup is full with the right things. Mm. And that is my pathways of thinking and operating are clear. So that, you know, when we were younger, there was a TV program that said, you are what you eat on Saturday. That you are what you eat. And little Saturday cartoons. You are what you eat. And what they were talking specifically was nutritional food. As I've grown, I've expanded that to everything. You know, you're taking information all day. What information are you taking? I don't listen to news before 12, 3 o'clock some days. I don't want to hear about it because it's not necessary to what I'm doing today. It's I'm the same going, way. It's not going same anywhere. Way. I need yeah. to be dialed in to my clients that I'm serving, teams that I'm training, all these things. I need to be in my best game mind, as it were. So my mind has to be thinking about things that are productive, that are all things life, energy, and power. I love it. So you are what you eat. You are what you speak. You are what you hear. You are what you watch, right? All of those things. Everything that you intake, it influences you on some level or another. And what people don't understand is we have two levels of consciousness, the consciousness and the subconsciousness. But we live about 80 to 90% of our life from the subconscious realm. So a lot of the things we're not even aware of, we just do them out of condition or habit over these years but not realizing the effect of it. And when you don't realize or have the awareness of how something is affecting you, you can't change it because you have to identify something to be able to change it. So if you have a low self-esteem, if you have an inferiority complex, if you're always comparing yourself to to someone else, where did that come from? It's either socialization, how you grew up, and if that cult or that environment that you grew up, you know, really contributed to that, or it's what you're looking at, the culture. Everything in the culture says me right now, right? Well, probably not right, right now, but a couple of years ago in this 10, 15-year window, 80s was definitely a self-absorbed decade. You know, it was all me, 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 me. And when you hear that consistently, even if you're not inclined to run with it initially, you know, the old adage is, if you hear something enough, it will become your reality if you continue to digest it. If you hear a lie enough, they said it can become truth. It doesn't become truth, but it may become your truth. You take it as the truth because you've heard it so much. So if you look at yourself as a steward, which I do, I'm a steward for my life. God has blessed me with the gift of life. The way I say thank you to God is what I do with my life, what I do with the assignment he has on my life. How am I impacting? How am I making every day, every moment count? That's my way of saying thank you, not just with my mouth, but with my life. And so I know that every day I get up, there are going to be divine opportunities for me to make a difference in someone's life. That's how I get up and do life. And in all honesty, that's how you walk in gratitude each and every day. Mm -hmm. You wake up in gratitude and you walk that in gratitude because you are in alignment with your purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. Harmony. I'm putting my fingers together and I got both my palms up and I'm turning them towards me. Fingers open, right? And I'm sliding them together. That's the goal of life. Harmony. We've been taught that balance is the goal. Balance isn't the goal for me because balance requires that I have to be aware of the weight distribution. I have to be aware of what's on this side versus what's on that side. And I have to continually be shifting in order to keep the scale at the same level. Harmony, on the other hand, is my fingers are moving towards each other and they jointly fit in the spaces between. I don't have to balance everything. I just have to align. Alignment is key. Love it. Absolutely love it. So many great nuggets here. I'm really enjoying this. Thank you. When I think of you, I think of many things, but I also, as everyone who's listening can confirm, 
I think of you as a powerful speaker orator, and I'm attempting this word, (laughs) allocutionist. Let's go with it. (laughs) You know, so speaking doesn't come naturally for everyone. I was wondering if you have any advice for someone who wants to use their voice more powerfully, more frequently, but needs some guidance. Well, if you're talking about speaking in front of an audience or a group, you know, the, the thing is, your diaphragm needs to be strong, right? You need to have connection with your voice, right? Everybody has a power voice. Power voice is the part of you that you hear vocally expressed that's coming from the soul of you. So there has to be a connection with what's being heard from you and what's coming through you or out of you, right? So I always say, do core exercises. And talk and sing while you're doing core exercises. If you're a singer or if you are a speaker, you strengthen your diaphragm doing core exercises, whether they're leg raises, anything having to do with the core, and speaking while you're doing those exercises. So now you're conditioning your instrument, which is the voice, which is the most powerful and most beautiful instrument, not created by man. You know, all other instruments were created by man. That one was created by God. And you steward that instrument by treating it like you would an internal organ. You know, we would, if our heart was in our hand, we'd be very delicate with it, right? We'd be very right. delicate if I could put my kidneys in my hand. My voice, I can't see it, but it's just as delicate because it is the vehicle that has been given to us to communicate with people in this human race. Voice you comes just, in. No, I was just going to say, you just added a new protocol for my workout. I'm going to be singing. (laughs) I am going to be, my, my husband and my niece are going to be calling you to complain. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. Because when they see you now, powerful, projecting with confidence, that's the key. Let me add this about the voices. A lot of people, like when I first started hearing myself on, in recording, I didn't like my voice. And that's a natural thing because When you're speaking, we're hearing us with our internal ear, okay? When you hear your voice coming back to you, you're hearing it with your external ear. So it sounds different coming back to you than it does when it's leaving you. Two different ears, same same, uh, instrument, the ear, but two different sides of it, right? So getting used to hearing yourself is another thing that needs to, you need to walk through that. Because I believe everybody has a powerful voice, no matter what the range of it is, if you develop it and you speak with it being connected to your soul, I tell you one thing I've observed about people, when people have a strong conviction about something, there's something that shows up in their delivery, in the voice, the tonality and everything else, right? That's just strong. And they're not even thinking about it. Why? Their conviction in that moment to communicate an idea or position has now subtracted from their mind any critique they have to how I'm sounding, right? 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 Because their conviction is strong. When your con- conviction is strong about something, your self-consciousness goes lower. Your inhibitions now are out of the way. Your self-critique now allows you to explore. You have to find your voice. I didn't always speak confidently. I was a shy child. I'm actually still, people find this, those that know me know this, but I'm actually, people would say I'm more of an introvert, but because I do public things and I love what I do, 
that side of me is released. But when I'm back to myself, I'm very docile and quiet in my own space. We're very similar that way as well. (laughs) So we have a few minutes left. I'm going to have to bring you back at some point for sure. You are a natural at this, of course. But we are, we were just talking about singing and voice. So I need you just to give us a very... No, you didn't. And now... <laughs> no, well, you didn't. <laughs> you can just, just tell us if you're a singer. That's it. Well, we're all singers in the shower, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, right. I'm, 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 I'm a singer. I've been, I've been singing my um, whole life. I used to imitate Sammy Davis Jr., Nat King Cole, and Louis Armstrong. No, Nat King Cole... And uh, Louis Armstrong, and what's the other one? They used to always tease me about it. One of my aunts, God bless her soul, said I used to do, do that all the time, the voice and everything. So I used to do impressions when I was younger. It came easy to me. So learning to sing came easy to me because I used to listen to music with my head to the whole old stereo, my mother's old songs. My mother blessed me with the appreciation for all things music. So I grew up listening to everything from classical, jazz, gospel. Sundays and Saturdays, my house was filled with music all day long. And those Love things that. just saturated in me. And I'm grateful my kids have the same appreciation for music. Their musical palette is, is wide. So, yeah, I've been singing. I come from a quasi-musical family. Had a family in the business over the years. From the Will there be stuff. a um, release of one of your songs anytime <laughs> soon? Uh, well, I made my mother promise. My mother, when I was in college, I was in a group. And one of the first co-writing ventures... I had was with a friend who's no longer with us. And he wrote a song that's timeless. So anyway, for 20-something years, even when I got out of music, I used to do secular music in my 20s. I got out of it and answered my call to do what I'm doing and, and ministry, working, preaching the gospel, basically. And my mother, every year, a couple of times of the year, Jody would say, Dave, that song, when are you going to do that song? And we initially were going to release that song in the 80s. It's along the caliber of We Are the World. It's one of those anthem songs. I won't give it all away. But for 20, while she was alive, for 20-something years, a couple times of the year, she said, all the songs you got, that one needs to be done by, and she starts naming some people that I know in the business, they need to be on that song, and then also these other heavyweights, right? And I would go, yeah, mom, yeah, mom, yeah, mom. Jody, a month before she transitioned to an eternal resting place, I was leaving my mother's house. And she says to me, and she was battling some, she had some health challenges. Walking out of the house, she says, Dave, you're going to do that song? And for the first time, I said, yes. And she stopped You me. will. And I will. I've done, actually, I've, I've got it recorded, re-recorded from the 80s version. I've got friends on it singing in different parts. Because when I said it's like We Are the World, it's an anthem song towards, about children, specific set of children. But that will be coming out soon. So that got me back in that part of it because I had to, I had to solicit some friends that are in the business to help me do it. And I said yes to her and she stopped me. She couldn't believe it. Because that's the first time I said yes. I didn't blow off and say, yeah, I need to call a co-writer and all that. Didn't make sure. I just said yes. A month later, she passed away. So from that time on, I called my friend who was in, you would know the group. I called him and he was on the road. He says, sure, when you come home. And we stood up 24 hours and got that cassette version and modernized. It was a cassette recording. You can think how far back it was. And put it, and then a year later, later, I was living out of state at the time. A year later, I came back up, and we did some more, got some other voices on it to make it sound with the fullness, like the real artists are going to do it. So, yeah, my mother, I keep in my promise, she got me back in the game for a project. (laughs) 
I cannot wait to hear that. And I am definitely going to be having you back. So perhaps by then we will hear a little excerpt from that song. Um, <laughs> so one last thing, actually yes. two last things. So one, your, you know, how, did, how would you advise someone to strengthen their resilience? And then we need to know how to get in touch with you because I know people are going to want to get in touch with you, Dave. You know, when I think about the word resilience, I think about it on a psychological level, emotional level, and the physical level all three streams, right? When I look at the definition, it's the ability to bounce back, to recover from an event, right? So resilience for me, I believe, I believe everything that we need for this life's journey has been put in us. I believe the journey is what enables us to uncover or discover it, right? I believe God put it to package, everything in his package, and he pushed play, and now the journey. So life experiences are coming at us. And here's the thing. Problems always gravitate towards solutions. Problems always gravitate towards solutions. So if a problem shows up, it's an indication or a challenge shows up that the answer is already there. Your thirst, my thirst, is a thing that alerts us to the fact that there is water somewhere. Right? Our thirst says there's water. If there was no water, we wouldn't have a thirst. So all things connected in this universe. So being resilient is allowing yourself to push pause, to process, and then plan the next move. Dave, you are amazing. I know that my friends are going to want to reach out to you. How did they get in touch with you? Well, I would say you, but I'm kidding. <laughs> so <laughs> they can reach me at my website, DaveAHowellGroup.com or JohnMaxwellGroup.com slash DaveAHowell. Those are my and two that's websites. H-O-W-E-L-L. Yeah. And are you on LinkedIn as well? Yes, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. And I'm on Twitter. Soon to be on Instagram and other platforms. Those are my three major platforms. Right now. Excellent. And anyone can reach out to me as well because I will gladly connect you. And this has been a true joy. One last thing I have to say is, when are we going to be on the stage together, Dave? When are we going to be on soon, the stage together? Soon, soon, soon. <laughs> All righty. Yes, we will. Uh, you heard it here first. <laughs> oh, you got me on recording now. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm, in, I'm locked in now, right? <laughs> you are so locked in. <laughs> yes, you are. You said yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> Once my yes comes back, I, there's no taking it back. So I'm committed. That's right. Thank you so much, Dave, for blessing us with your time, your wisdom, and your path your journey that is just so wonderful. I look forward to hearing this and I look forward to continuing our friendship and our work together. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a joy. It was a pleasure. It's just like me and you talking regularly, actually. It's beautiful. Thank you, Pat. It is a beautiful thing. Take care. All right. This is WCN, the Whole Care Network. You talk, we listen.